Hey, Printosters, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We have got a very special guest. I know I say this a lot. I say it every single time. But we do have a really special guest today. And for a lot of different reasons, I feel like we've intertwined in different worlds for quite a while. This is Jared Mandelowitz out of AKT, not AKT Enterprises. That's just right. Just AKT. <laughs> Always a branding crisis over here, but definitely just the three letters, AKT. Thanks for joining. You guys uh, you guys are running a pretty big shop. I was poking around your website. Is that six MRs in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was going to be nine. And? And then, we were running, and then everyone ran the numbers and was like, oh, no, no, let's just get through this rough patch and then sell these extra machines because we uh, had a facility in California in Pomona for a while. And uh, we kind of consolidated it all back here. Interesting. So you had two shops, one in California, one in Florida? Yeah. I mean, it always started here in Florida. Um, and then we, we just had relationships with, like, you know, kind of sourcing stuff because we do so much in, um, like, touring. So having yeah. stuff on we, – we would just have to source stuff because of deadlines, you know. And uh, we ended up just changing, like, a contract relationship to a joint venture and then a fully owned venture and then um, – and then it became just wholly owned. And then after a while, it just kind of became a little bit difficult cost-wise to justify. So we, we, we optimized everything here, brought whoever we could over here, um, which was actually a huge milestone for us. Um, some of those guys are really top performers here, and it really changed the game. That's huge. You got them to move to Florida? Yeah, we have our production manager, who's now our director of production, Matt, um, who's like a wizard, and then Robert, who's my director of operations, um, the two of them ran our entire West Coast operation out there. Um, it used to be a shop called Glad Rags Inc. in Pomona. And, um, yeah, so they're just, you know, they came over here and it was, it was perfect, you know. That's pretty crazy. And this was a shop, it sounded like, that you worked with, mm-hmm. then got deeper involved with, and then eventually bought out. Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, it, it's like I said, it went from contract to joint venture with them to mm-hmm. then you know, we just kind of merged into one. So we kind of came up with a deal that worked for everybody. And and then from there, we all collectively decided what made most sense for the future. How could we make like the best version of what we've got? And splitting all these resources across two coasts is like exhausting. And I say that as like the main administrative guy here, (laughs) like it was exhausting Mm -hmm. for everybody. Um, Not for the touring bands who could get stuff, you know, within three days on anywhere in the u.s you know but for us who had to do it it was tricky sure and uh going a little bit further backwards here you guys have a ton listed on your website that you guys do i mean you know you've got akt obviously custom merchandising you've got district lines as e-commerce i'm seeing uh ticket spin uh looks like a uh, like ticketing site and then um uh, a sports bar <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some interesting uh, diversification that has happened over the years. Like, our company has never been a stranger to trying new things, right? And um, sometimes good, sometimes crazy, sometimes bad, you know, sometimes a blend of all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we do, uh, primarily our heart and history has always been in the entertainment business. So, which is something I don't see too much of. Like, I become like a avid listener of this podcast and like shirt show and stuff like that. And I know obviously a lot of people do band stuff, but I never see anybody whose business like is like so heavy on the bands and entertainment like we are. 
and um, mm. or maybe I've missed them anyways. But um, so we have everything where you physically kind of touch the artist uh, for the consumer side. So event merchandise, uh, VIP experience. So like, you know, on top of general admission ticketing, the VIP ticketing services that's boomed recently in the live stream side. But even before that was like your sound checks, your uh, photo meet and greet kind of stuff before events. Like we kind of have a whole business model set up for that and it's all synced into our e-commerce platform district lines and, but it kind of runs its own brand of ticket spin. So I joke when I said there's like a branding crisis around here that never ends, but it's been 16 years of branding crisis. So it's just, there's a lot of names. Some people just call it all AKT. Some people only know the individual brands. Um, and some people like you are asking the right questions because people need to, the people need to know. So let's talk about music merchandising. Uh, you guys got into it playing music or close with people that were uh, in yes. bands? Yes. So um, my business partner, Alex, who's, you know, our CEO, he, um, he was always in bands. His brother, who's our business partner, was always in bands too. So like pop punk, ska band kind of stuff. I never played in bands, but I was always banned like adjacent. Uh-huh. And um, back in the day, you know, Alex would do shirt designs and stuff for friends' bands and all that stuff. And and at the time, I was doing like web design, and I was like hosting websites out of like an old computer in my closet in high school, like just weird, <laughs> just hobbyist stuff, right? Right. And um, GeoCities. Uh, well, I or did not too long ago try to. I, well, I was hosting off of an IBM Aptiva computer in my closet, uh, and I mean, it was. I mean whatever it is now it's it sounds crazy and makes me seem really old but um so i used to i i ended up developing because i would do uh website website projects like bands from my high school and stuff i made a website so we lived in a town called palm beach gardens and i created a website called pbgpunk.com and it was like a really crappy local version of the crappiest myspace you could imagine it was hard-coded pages for band profiles um, so like the band logo was on like a fake police lineup, you know, kind of backdrop and like you had all these stats and it was just something that didn't exist. And I kind of met Alex through that. Next thing you know, he asked me to work on some band websites for him. I'm working with a web developer friend of mine. We build a content management system for bands that was called band manager. And it was like, like just this, like now it's like completely rudimentary and you don't need it anymore, but there was no way it was just, you install it. And it was just, here's how you run your band's website. Just plug it in. And uh, we kind of started working from there. Uh, then I went off to college at UCF here in Orlando. Alex was like a year uh, behind me. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. You know, you have a few key people who you do business with and it just blows up. Next thing you know, we're doing like 15 like hardcore band websites a year. Then we start our own hosting business. We, were, we used to pass out flyers for web hosting downtown Orlando, which I told somebody the other day and they're like, that is so stupid. And I go, it felt smart at the time. Yeah. It's do funny. I used to do something similar, more affiliate marketing for a host gator. Yeah. Um, because they'd pay a recurring, you know, revenue back for that. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's funny, six, 15 years, 16 years later, and we finally just shut down the client facing hosting side of our business because it just like was slowly deteriorating over all this time because it's just not, it's a different world we live in now. It's just right. not like that. I mean, when Alex and I started working together, it was not printing, it was graphic and web design. And then from there we built, um, Alex had built uh, this website, designspin.com. And designspin.com was before everyone knew knew how to use Photoshop. 
and clip art plus font pick a color was band merch and um we had built designspin.com and it was like you could buy a copy of the design or you could like buy it and have it taken from the site for more money so it's like 80 bucks you could have it outright we take it off the site 30 bucks you get a, a psd and a zip file and a font Design file emailed spin. to you because then what yeah. didn't you guys have merch spin too <laughs> or am i making this all of this keeps coming back to branding yes so up until like 2013 uh we did have individual brands and stuff so like we had district lines we had merch bin which was the print shop we had Studio AKT, which was the web and, web and graphic design um, stuff. You had Ticket Spin, which was the ticketing. At one point, there was Button Spin. There was Sticker Spin. There was, I mean, it wasn't very creative naming after a while. Um, but all eventually, like things petered out. And once once we started working with like a lot of top tier music, um, it just kind of became like those kind of people were just like, oh, AKT, because people call Alex AKT, it's his initials, you know? So it just became like kind of how we were known. So it was like a conscious decision to kind of retire Merch Spin. Plus I was always an advocate for changing it because I would always choke on it when it came out. I'd be like, Merch Spin. And it just kind of like felt really right. spitty, you know? But uh, you, do you think like you, you, I mean, you guys went super broad very early on. Over time, has that then reduced back, or, or is it? Do you still stay pretty broad? Because it seems like a lot of these things are still running. You're, t- you're talking about like the brands, or you're talking about the services we offer? Just yeah, services, brand, all of it. I think we've kind of narrowed down the services, but then you could make an argument that we didn't because you know we cut out a few things and next thing you know there's a sports bar or hopefully soon we open the tiki bar next door to that and like or on a more merchandising side we acquired smart punk the brand uh which was like a music you know online store that was very heavily involved in your warp tours and your music industry stuff uh back until like 2010 mm-hmm. and we acquired that because they were like you know it was like a last like a fire sale on it so and then now we kind of relaunched it as a record label and a vinyl distro and right now they're sponsoring furnace fest and they just came back from riot fest in chicago so like we're all over the place and there's always something new happening um as like the administrative guy with this i've come to terms with the fact that there's always going to be something new like you put out one thing and we're kind of trying new things that's kind of how we got to where we are so i think we kind of fine-tuned it but we still have like a variety of services. I think as an entertainment merch company, like you kind of, there's no reason for us to retire VIP, to retire, you know, the promo products and sourcing, all the cut and so stuff. Like that's just like a core part of our business at this point. Got it, got it. So would you say that your guys' niche though is on the music merchandising side? I mean, that's what we're like known for. I mean, we, we're not exclusively entertainment, you know? I mean, maybe like 60, 70% entertainment on a, on a, on a fluctuating you know measurement scale but like covid was pretty crazy but luckily for us it shifted from touring to e-commerce um but we so what, still... did, what did that mean for you guys like uh, helping bands set up shopify stores fulfilling stuff uh, shipping we, it, it was more about our existing clients like we didn't i didn't see a ton of requests to set up new stuff um but it may just you know, I mean, obviously some of that happened, but with us, it was more people just stepped on the gas on the e-commerce side. Huge clients with big performing stores doubled down. They spent money on things they normally wouldn't spend money on with marketing and just efforts and promotion because 
on top of them being scared i mean we were scared too you know everyone was just it was it was probably one of the most like emotional times for my partners and i to like like to have to make the decisions you made was like really scary and we're really thankful that we had such a good team to take us through it you know i had graphic designers picking orders you know and um i'm out there i'm out there shipping orders and stuff like wearing a mask like just like not knowing what we're doing we're in florida so it's like even create like you just like never know what's going on you know was that fulfillment all done at your shop too as in yeah everything and- e-commerce okay. uh and screen printing is and uh like account management uh sourcing all that stuff happens straight out of our headquarters here in orlando and we have Got like it. a thirty-two thousand square foot building here that we own and we rent another ten thousand square feet that somehow we needed after we moved in and we never had that and then we filled it instantly with stuff um but uh, all that stuff happens here. So, what were what were some early challenges for on the fulfillment side and and just you know full cycle merchandising side, especially as you guys pivoted to it and you had to learn really quickly. Well, on the e- we had been doing e-commerce for I mean for like 12, 13 years. So it, it wasn't like we were starting that up because of COVID, if that was your question. So, oh, okay. um, no, no, we had, it was just been the doing... volume. That's what's, Oh yeah. It was just a volume. I mean, dude, you had touring business drop to almost nothing. Um, it's the first thing that stopped and it's still the last thing turning on. Got it. Um, so it wasn't a big deal to pivot. It was more of a staffing issue. Um, when people were furloughed for a while before you could figure out like assistance programs and stuff. And then you kind of had to wind everything up really fast. And then just to get to where you were was a headache. Then you had to like have triple the volume to handle. So it was, it was a big reset. It was like a holiday in the middle of a pandemic summer, you know? Were there any things that you guys took from being able to handle that scale that you're doing now today? It forced a lot of people who don't typically have eyes on those processes um, to get involved hands-on just by the nature of what was happening. Mm-hmm. So what, like a by, cross-training thing? Not, dude, not even cross-training. I'm talking about like like senior-level management just physically being out there and mid-level management being around and, and solving things and watching things being like, hey, why is this like this? Or, you know, this is dumb and, and just kind of working through it, which we do all the time. It's just, it was a lot at once. And you ha- and we're sitting here going, well, I'm not going to do it this way. Let's change it to fix it. Um, whether it's my director of operations handling a 90 pallet relocation in another warehouse and just moving stuff around like a puzzle so it can make sense again, because it's easier for us to solve it that way, you know. Um, so I think it just had more different eyes on stuff that's kind of just always there. Um, Got it. The, the flow itself didn't really change. It was just optimizing things. How do you handle forecasting sales then with with musicians and people selling out and, and restocking, especially with inventory and things now? Well, we are so – like, you know, watching all these podcasts and, like, hearing everybody talk about, like, their clients and these their business models and stuff, I'm always looking going – like, if I had any hair left, I'd be pulling it out. I'm like – what do you mean do that? My clients won't let me do that. Like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I feel like our industry, like our clients are so ingrained in the race to the bottom, get it done faster, threaten to leave, you know, that kind of world because the music industry, it's just like that, um, you know, kind of grind you down. 
the forecasting part, especially with these, some of these bigger bands, are is probably difficult, right? With you being can't. able to stock stuff and, and bands and, bands and are taking one on a new it. band or whatever. Bands are just one piece of it, man. I mean, we kind of pioneered like the social media, now what they call social media influencers, but at the time it was just YouTubers and viral video stars. Got it. And they so, have like, those drops, which I'm sure Yeah, it's, so it's insane. I mean, whether it was when we started in like 2006 and it was just Chris Crocker, like Leave Britney Alone shirts and like um, Chocolate Rain and like all these viral videos we were doing merch for and we're like, oh my God, we sold like a hundred shirts. <laughs> like it was like a different world at the time right. for us. So spin that into what we do now, which is like, you know, we were there from the beginning. We were the first legitimate merchandising company to do it that wasn't on demand like Zazzle or like Cafe Press or whatever at the time. And uh, we were doing all this stuff and you have no way to predict what's going on. You have no idea if their follower count translates to sales. The same thing goes with bands. With, With big bands, there's more of a structure. But even then, you have no idea what's going on. And with a lot of pressure to keep things on pre-sale, but keep quality good and, and entertainment, clients tend to not like on demand, you know, and, and I don't blame them. Um, at least the way it kind of works and like what their expectations are, the number of placements that is now an average. We're almost at an average of three like locations for our average print across the year, you know, and I'm, unfortunately, that's the style. Are you talking on demand as far as digital or are you talking mm-hmm. just like, we? okay, not stocking. Yeah. Got it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you just don't really know how to forecast the sales, but it also could help with some of the planning to be able to know and, and schedule things in. But like you said, with these drops or with the, with the influencers or with musicians, um, it, it feels like there's a lot of facets here. Yeah, I mean, listen, there, it is hard. And if I was just on a call yesterday with my, I we just um, celebrated one of my top like e-commerce administrators, like her 12 year anniversary here. She's been doing this for a long time. And we were just talking yesterday about one of our clients and how it's like, they're like, we don't want a pre-sale. We don't want to add a stock. And it's like, okay, but like we're also fronting the cost of the goods until it sells. So you really are fighting yourself from wanting to sell versus wanting to expose risk and, and on inventory. And it's really tricky in the entertainment side because at a high level, they're not paying up front for their goods, man. Like, it's just not how it works at the level of entertainment stuff we do. So you're right. There's a lot of variables that play into it. And projections, we talk about look, at, look back a month, buy mm-hmm. for two months more, and hope. And um, So yeah. is that your, the plan that you try to go with for reprints especially is, is like a two-month outlook and then be able to go from there yeah i think for e-commerce that's kind of how they'll do it and even if we're not the ones who are um fronting the goods or whatever you know and it's like client owned we still kind of recommend the same kind of thing to them because we don't want them to overstock because then they have a bad taste in their mouth about our thing like we're very account management centric here like it's not a one or two people running all of our accounts like i've got you know a giant team of account management and the goal is that they really are motivated and incentivized to care. And um, they want to make sure we, their goal is to like supplement the client's team. Got it. Because you, otherwise these managers have to hire someone to manage merch, you know? Do you try to t- uh, tie a dollar value to the number of account managers that you may need? For example, we were looking internally around, okay, hey, maybe it's like a million or $2 million worth of, of revenue from X amount of customers, 
is one account manager. And that way we know how to scale so we could, you mm-hmm. know, give really good service and uh, keep people and happy. It's for, for like software as a service, it's actually more straightforward because you're like, this is the product we offer. Like sure. this is, I mean, of course there's features and different clients are needier than others, I'd imagine in your case. But here it's like, if it's revenue based, that's about as close as I can get. And I have a rule of thumb but I don't know if it works for everybody because everyone's skill sets differently. I have amazing um, sales reps who are the worst administrators on the planet. I have amazing administrators who can't handle, you know, the when things hit the fan on the sales side, you know. Um, but I think, you know, usually like the math I've done, it's like for every like half a million bucks in revenue, they probably need an extra hand. And that's depend if it's the average client mix that we have. You're talking about doing projections, like debugging e-commerce issues, dealing with when UPS does what they do, you sure, know, just and you have to tra- then you have to keep bouncing packages from venue to venue. You know what I mean? Like it's the whole mix. Like it kind of comes down to that, but it depends on the people. So we're still really hands-on with how we build these teams. It's not like so many people, like it's like an army of, of cubicles or something like that. It's like 10, 15 people total on the team right now. But the goal is still to grow it bigger. And those are real problems that we do have. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, speaking of logistics, how it sounds like you definitely will have a lot more of that with either touring musicians or, you know, all kinds of people purchasing from e-commerce. Uh, how have you gone about working with that and the customer service of it and making sure things show up when they're supposed to at venues and well that's a great question um <laughs> like is we, there a team is that the account no manager's role okay or? so well it used to be the account manager's role because it would happen so infrequently but once it starts happening a lot you kind of you know the need kind of created not a position but like we kind of have somebody who wears a few hats like he'll handle uh, accounts receivable, he'll handle, you know, like, whether it's sending out aging reports and that kind of stuff, hassling reps who refuse to let him send out the aging reports, uh, reaching out to clients, maybe expediting things, to, escalating things to collections, but also troubleshooting shipments at a surface level with UPS. But in an emergency, my top reps call UPS and sit on hold for an ungodly amount of time and deal with that whole, you know thing we they, we deal with our rep they're calling the, the hubs because it's always an emergency because the band is a moving target and that is like a logistical nightmare that's like insane and some of these venues won't let us drop stuff two days before it has to be a day before and um nobody makes it easy for us woe <laughs> is us you know <laughs> right right what do you think is in your role today your your biggest challenge running akt you know my the way i am the way like personally um i could answer that any number of ways uh-huh. <laughs> because they're all like equally uh troublesome things nothing is bad you know everything is great here it's like always making progress um but to me it's about team building especially coming in the environment we are now where hiring is so difficult um it's like a really big priority of mine to make sure that we kind of maintain or build up a strong family of new people. You know, there's a lot of new faces. I want to, you know, we want them to not be new faces in the long run. We want to have more 12 year anniversaries, you know? And, um, so implementing things that are 
and like the steps I've been taking to do that and my partners and I have been doing is like, let's get some more AKT merch into rotation here. Like stuff that was always backburnered, right? Um, get our showroom looking nicer here, even though, you know, it's mostly our team who sees it because, you know, it's like crazy band merch stuff or whatever. This is like employee retention stuff. Yeah. I mean, indirectly, yeah, it really is that, you know, like I don't want to simplify it to say that it's like that because I don't want to like take the love out of it. If right. That doesn't sound too I mean, corny, it is. You know? It's funny because we were just talking about this in a previous episode, but like, that's such a hugely undervalued aspect, right? Like thinking about uh, career growth and where people want to go. And do you know that? Does every manager know that? Is it documented? Can we look back for the past year and be able to say we did as much as we could to help? Or, you know, like you said, making the workplace environment really nice, um, making sure everybody's got swag of whatever they want. Yeah, like we we rolled out um, part of like, there are certain things in, in my career, at least in the last like couple years that I've called like legacy things where I would joke and tell Alex like, dude, if I die today, man, like the new launch of Run My Shop, which is our um, internal like shop management software, relaunching it like finally from this clunky thing is like my legacy. And then we also started offering like um, anniversary uh, like uh, challenge coins, right? So like, for example, I have 16 of them. Right. So for your first year here, you get like a one year kind of coin. Right. And then they're all different. They're all like super cool. Some of them are they're like enamel, essentially like enamel fill pins. So like a Sherwin Williams one. Like the goal is like to really kind of ingrain the this is not just the whole like, hey, we're a family here or whatever. But it's like, look, like this is what we're doing. This is this is where you can be and this is where people can have been. And can sure. get to here. Sure. And um, to me, that's like the biggest challenge because dude, it's hard enough to hire people right now. And yes, it's, it's definitely. It's just it, it's like the. Of course, I start pushing this ang- this ag- this agenda like during a global pandemic. It's like it would have happened anyways, but you know. Yeah. No, you're right. It's it's a back burner thing um, yeah. that unfortunately gets uh, moved down the to do list too much. Within, like, you mentioned, like, managers and, and department heads and stuff, and, and the one, like, you know, as a business owner, you understand, like, uh, there's a lot of do as I say, not as I do when we're coaching senior leadership or other people, you know? And my biggest thing that comes up constantly, it doesn't matter what department it is, it doesn't matter if it's graphic design or it's account sales or it's fulfillment or production, I'm always like, are you doing your one on ones? And I'm talking to people who I forget to do one-on-ones with, you know, and because sadly for them, I'm able to judge and I'm able to be in that seat and say, yeah, yeah, yeah I know I, yeah, I forget, but like you have to do it because if you don't, you, you lose that person's like connection to the organization, you know, and um, with production, I see all these, you know, all these podcasts, you guys are all talking about like employee retention and like, how do you keep screen printers motivated or how do, or any person for that matter? And it's about engaging them, man. Like, it doesn't matter. My wife designs water slides, okay? And, like, water, you know, features and stuff for a company. But, like, it doesn't matter if you're there. If people feel engaged, whether they're here or they're doing customer service and they feel like they're heard and they feel like their career is being discussed and you're, like, considering their needs, that's the best thing you can do. And if you don't do that, you're really just rolling the dice. And I have done that a million times in my career, you know? Right. 
But when I look at it and talk to you, you see it very clearly, you know? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Your wife designs water slides? <laughs> yeah, she works for an aquatic um like, like personal firm. or like a no not personal water know. slides who are you i, I mean you know, i don't know there's some crazy <laughs> no. you know people no, out there like on cruise ships cruise ships and splash pads and stuff okay. like that um as well as like regular like corporate water features and stuff interesting um, yeah, she does a lot of the creative stuff you, know, you get that a lot funny, of access right? to water parks <laughs> it's a you get to, to test a lot of water slides too right because you don't i guess you don't want to get flung off the side um, no, you, also you have do the not. Thrill, but yeah, it's it, it's uh, kind of cool. You got me stuck there when I when I heard that part. It's okay. Um, no, that's that's super interesting. I mean, uh, so so, what do you feel like with those challenges aside and things that you're working on? Um, what about some big decisions though that you're making? in the shop, purchases or, or hires or so, pivotal moments. Um, we, during the last like six months, we finally pulled the trigger on automation in the dark room, um, which is like a huge deal. They're still setting all that stuff up. What'd you buy? Uh, iImage. I was shown so many options. <laughs> I just said to them, I go, are we going to stop hearing about issues? And they go, most of them. And I go, okay. <laughs> but that was petitioned by, by Matt and Robert for a while. You know, and it was just more of like, and then the pandemic hit and we're like, no, but we were able to do that. And then we upgraded our DTG machine. So we, we were the last people with like these brother GT 782s or whatever. They're like, you're literally the last people who are operating one of these machines in the country. And I'm like, do we really need a new one guys? Like, and then they're like, they're stopping the ink manufacturing. We have to, we're running out of white ink. And I was like, okay, so we upgraded DTG, we upgraded Darkroom. Um, the only thing I think we are still planning on doing eventually would be like auto reclaim stuff, but we're trying to take it not one step at a time, but apparently two and a half steps at a time. Um, but we're slammed right now. I mean, every band just started going out. So we are three times what we were two weeks ago or three weeks ago in, in, in um, locations being printed out here. So mm -hmm. nobody has time to even like meet with the plumber to set up <laughs> the stuff, you know? It's just like everybody's on press. Everybody's going. How do you deal with the, the being slammed mentally? I can't speak for my production manager who is far more patient um, than, and, and my production team who is far more patient and uh, affected on a day-to-day -day basis than I am. Yeah. Obviously, like from, from my office, I don't feel that, you know? I know right. it's happening. I hear the drama that bubbles up, and I, I worry for them, and I handle the administrative and, or whatever. But, um, you know, for them, I think it's, it's brutal. And it's, it's seasonal, so it's nothing new. It's holidays, and it's summer. And um, it's kind of unavoidable uh, for them. So um, one day I think we should have, you know, I'm sure I would love to have them talk to you about that specifically. From my side, you know, it's just trying to make sure people have what they need and like the support that they need. At sometimes there's nothing any of us can do. You can only source to so many shops who have worse turnaround than you do, who are less accountable to the customer than you are, who, you know, and then all of a sudden you just can't do it anymore. And then you're just, you just, you just say, you know what? And I go back to what I used to tell people a long time ago. It's just t-shirts. It's just t-shirts. <laughs> you kind of just say that and you just kind of hope that 
the pandemic has the comeback from the pandemic has gotten us to a point where for the first time ever we're able to say good luck finding anyone else who can do it faster than us and that's like the first time we can say it and really really believe it you know because right. we're we're like a rush shop sadly uh we are it's interesting. You mentioned a couple times that you guys have middle and upper management. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing there's quite a few folks there with uh, six presses. Uh, you know, wh- when did you invest in actual management? Because it seems like th- there's the, there's definitely a a, a, a leap uh, of faith almost into doing that, or, or whether trying to promote internally or just mm-hmm. free up your free up your day. You know, it's not as much of a conscious decision or even like a moment in time where like a switch flipped. Mm -hmm. Um, Our company was built off of like, when we started, it was we were hiring our friends. Um, Then it was, then you kind of, the people who are there longest started getting promoted and, you know, people cycle in and out over the years, right? But I remember one time a a long-term friend and client of ours said like, you guys are just like, everything has to go through you guys. Like, there's no, like, management. I remember this was, like, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. And I never forgot that he said that. And it kind of got me thinking. So it was more of, like, delegating more stuff. But also the busier we got, these positions just kind of naturally formed. Like, you needed somebody who was running point, you know? Instead of Alex scheduling jobs, like, he just started, like, saying, hey, can you do this? And some guy just started doing it. And then next thing you know that person became the shop manager. Was it the best person? <laughs> you know, obviously not. But, you know, <laughs> just because you're good at something does not a manager make, you know? So right. um, over time, I think you learn as these as seats change and, and or people change in these seats and you kind of learn what's better. And looking back now, it's easy for me to talk about it. But I, I listen to these podcasts, man, and I hear people and they're like, I just don't know when to pull the trigger. And it all seems so easy when you're 16 years in. And totally, you've 100%. It when do you think and, you would have if you looked back? Is it, was it a revenue mark? Was it a people size thing? I think it's about your ability to organize. Like we're always, um, you but know, like you, you, can't, describe- you can't organize forever, like with, with more and more people. And that's I why I always try to figure I think out. You're, what, I think you know, it's your you like think- projection or ability to like, your practical projection of incoming sales potential mm-hmm. determines like the best use of your time. So like if you're maybe you're in like an, I don't know, hypothetically you're an owner operator who uh, is like the press person. Okay. Um, that's different. When we started this company, yeah, Alex and I would, you know, we had these like orange caps, manual presses and like little like dryers and stuff, but like, and like we would do stuff and we would print sometimes and, or all the time and it was different or he'd be up all night and sleeping on air mattresses. Like it was that whole world. But then event, but like we weren't primarily that. We always had somebody there from the beginning who kind of was, was the lead on the floor with that kind of stuff. Not a manager, but the person we leaned on. So, but you have those people and we were very sales oriented. I was more process procedure. Alex was more account management and bringing in business. So for us, it was more of like, we always had somebody who we leaned on for that stuff because it was just our dynamic, but we were very heavily involved in sales and we always are like, it doesn't matter. Like when it comes time and we're like doing Oprah's arena tour right before COVID, like Alex and I are on those calls. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, 
it's got to be like that because at a certain level you need to have us involved. Yeah. It's interesting. I, obviously we're 100% two very, although in the same industry, very separate businesses. Yeah. I, I think about Printavo sometimes and some of the, de, the, the uh, departments that we've grown. And I think for us, it depended on two things, right? Getting started, for sure. You just don't know when. And it's hard to actually afford, like, a true manager with 10 years of experience or something that can help make decisions, that has good emotional mm-hmm. IQ, that all of that stuff. But I start to think around two to three people per department, it would be nice to have a lead. And maybe that third person was, like, has manager potential or is a manager, but also a contributor at the same time. And then over time that they can switch to be a full manager and trying to replicate that in every different area. That, by the way, like that thought, like whether it applies to everyone's business or not, the idea is that you're considering these people and their potential in your day-to-day life with them and, and work and that, and, and like considering what people can and cannot be, or can we try, are they interested in that? Cause some people I don't remember which one I was listening to. I think you had a video out that was about like hiring or I don't know, something. And it was like talking about um, putting uh, people who have wannabe managers or what comes after, or maybe it was like, what comes after being a press operator? Cause like, that's like the top in the screen printing side, like you're mm-hmm. a craftsman, you're making all this money or whatever well, they want to be a shop manager. And then they go, oh, then they figure out, they're like, I don't want to do this. Just put me behind a press. I don't want to talk to anybody anymore or whatever, you know? And um, I think some people want stuff that they don't want because it seems like what comes next. But um, we don't have a rule of thumb, man, for this stuff. Like, but luckily for us, like these have become evolved business models. Right. E-commerce is a business model. The e-commerce administration is a business of its own. Sales touches that. It touches production. So... Luckily, we you know, we have a whole we have a purchasing department. I have three people in it. Two of them are sourcing stuff, and one buys blank shirts. And then you know they kind of help each other out. You know, right? Um, it, it's just I mean, it's become so stable over the years. Pandemic aside, obviously. All right, I got I got to switch to. Uh, I've been waiting for this, but <laughs> if anybody remembers, uh, I want you to comment down below. Mint teas. <laughs> back on minties day or maybe you were on empties forums there was like there was there's really two t-shirt forums that were pretty popular for for design and this is kind of when uh gosh what was that thread thread something they're based in chicago and people would vote on design threadless threadless yes that was around those days the heyday there minties what 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 happened how did it go okay. and then i okay. saw you guys close so, last year big no, cartel you know, the e-commerce platform, those guys had made empties.com. And it was just, it was, you know, it's really active t-shirt community and it was just merch designers. It was mostly music oriented and clothing brand style stuff, right? So naturally we were kind of always aware and involved in it. They eventually, not too long after it was like very popular, they, I think they realized it was not really easy to monetize and it wasn't really their primary focus. So they said, hey, we're shutting it down. And, but they had an API that was open. So we scraped it and created, um, a, you have to activate your old account, you know, using whatever we had. And we created minties.com with our friend, 
um, and an, uh, Rob Doby, who is like an illustrator and he's been doing merch forever and we've just known him forever. And he was like one of like the, one of the more popular kind of mod, uh, ad moderator kind of guys um, from the forums there. Got it. So we did that. We partnered with him. We launched Minties.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand why big cartels didn't do it. Like if you look at the Google Analytics, it's like we took over and it's like, ooh, and it just kind of keeps uh, going. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but uh, so we launched that. We kind of kept up with it. We tried other things. Um, and it just kind of uh, became something where I'm like, this isn't really w- the amount of spam that it's getting. Like we couldn't invest the technical resources. To moderate to, like, it. Yeah, it was just, and it sucks, man. Because there's, as a business, as an entrepreneur, I look at it and I go, oh, it's going to be awesome. We built this thing where you can create clothing brands on it and you could self-advertise and promote your teas and all this stuff. And it just like, just over time, it's just Instagram. People started posting other places. You know, the rise of Dribble, the rise of designers on Instagram. It just changed, right. and it just wasn't making sense anymore. And, Got it. But yeah, we did just like a few months ago. Finally, like put up the, the tombstone online for it. You know, um, uh, it's just. I think that's why this is a special episode for me personally because when I was starting, you know, our little clothing brand in college, it was all like skateboarding related and everything and streetwear focus and you know, there's always so many ideas and minties and empties and those are the sites you can like dribble, you know, you constantly mm-hmm. be checking for, for influence. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, of course pivoted to trying to figure out how run my shop worked, yeah. um, which was <laughs> your guys's early shop management solution too. Mm-hmm. I did some research this morning and I was like, okay, and I was like, okay, I registered the domain name in 2008. Uh-huh. All right. So it's not up, but I, Oh, just the login page is up. Oh no! You, it's yeah, no, it's it's internal only. But uh, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, if we're gonna talk about this, I should probably make sure Corey really makes sure this thing is locked down. Because, <laughs> um, but yeah, so when we first started run my shop, it was because the only thing out there was like, whatever, what were the crappy Windows software like Shirt Works or something like that or Shirt, whatever it was. It was the same reason you created your own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's there was just nothing out there. We were at a point where, you know, Alex Alex was all about like, let's build this thing, let's build our own. And because we did our own web development stuff, we were able to do it. And um, so we built out this whole thing. It handles everything from invoicing to scheduling uh, designs on presses to quality control to uh, I don't know, man, tons of stuff, right? Right. And um I remember because that's when I when I was looking for a solution to be able to help. It was run my shop was one of them, especially it was Mm -hmm. one of the only cloud based ones at the time, which was was huge. Yeah, it was it was definitely there. And if we as with many things like if we had really, really put the resources into it, the way I would do it now is different. You know, then we were just we're just so bootstrapped and stuff like you're like, oh, we'll just figure this out. We'll just like. Right. Make this guy do this in his spare time. And next thing you know, we're really selling a business model in a box. Right. And it was the way we did things, which is why I don't envy you at Printavo because I'm like, everybody's got something to bitch about. And, you know, but as 15 years later, having my own software all this time, we're always behind the eight ball trying to, like, do something because somebody else already has it. It's like e-commerce. It's why we're converting all of our stuff to a Shopify-based platform. Not because we couldn't build something that's just as pretty, but because we're not always going to be developing it. So just 
hitch your wagon to the thing that's going and, and just be more effective in your ultimate goal, not trying to make your own thing all the time, you know? And sure. you are a software company. Great. You're also not sourcing print orders for people because that's not the best, maybe best use of your time. Or, you know what I mean? Like you're not offering t-shirt designs. Like it's all, it's all related, but it's not. So you keep yourself focused. And with Run My Shop, um, the amount of, le- dude, I got, I don't think we, I had like two people start trials over all this, that time. And I just saved all the inquiries. And then one time I remember hitting you up being like, dude, just give me an affiliate link. I'll send you all these leads. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and that w- we were pretty close. And then it I didn't think work. I may have been. One oh, no, because I demanded a white labeled version of Printava. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, we are partially white labeled, not fully. It's uh, <laughs> I mean, it's another thing that we got to work on. But I, I do remember that because I remember I think you gave me a login to because I was like, hey, I'm just curious to poke around and I wanted mm-hmm. to see how it worked. And I was like, okay, this is cool. This is interesting. Um, and uh, well, as a web it was developer, like, I'm yeah, sure you're like... No, it was like, because I remember you guys were like, oh yeah, we're going to start it up. We're launching in January or something, which oddly enough, a lot of that was fuel for me because I was just like, you're welcome. oh shit, okay, all right, <laughs> let's go. Here we go. You know, I, I yeah. got a lot of work to do. You know, we got a, we got a ton of coding to do, but hmm. um, no, it was just... I thought it was really cool uh, and it was special because these these are the communities where I was online that uh, that you guys are a part of to help create and I'm sure a lot of other shop owners remember these too. So thank you at least yeah. for, for for doing that. Hey man, no problem. I'm glad <laughs> glad I could build the building blocks for your entire <laughs> life. You know, it's a real pleasure. <laughs> yeah, um, I. Uh, you know, I was looking this morning into the stuff and I was like looking going, man, how many sign-up leads did we have for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I like I went from a point at the beginning where I go, dude, this Printavo thing, it's so simple. It doesn't handle any of this stuff. I remember when it was like, and now I look and I go, as we're dealing with HR or HR, not HR, AR stuff or whatever, and they're like billing people. And I'm like, oh, we got to add this or add this. And I go, at some point, we're going to wait. My software engineering director and I are talking, and I go, at some point, even though we just relaunched the new version of this internally, which was like a seven-year, like, teeth-pulling project, we even sourced the development to another company who then took just as long as we were taking, and we ended up taking it from them, and they gave it to us for free. Like, all this stuff happened. We threw a party for new RMS Day, right? And still, we're looking at this going, if we have too many features we got to build, like, I'm like... Maybe we should just change the whole business to run on Printavo because then we like it's like Shopify. We don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's and, hard. Um, I mean, I mean, I think about it too with like us for a CRM or you mm-hmm. know or email marketing tool, right? Like it's just hard. We to did build. the same thing, man. Right. I'm oh, over you, it. What we built you our built own, this? dude. My whole sales department runs off a self-made uh, CRM, and oh, guess what? Boy. Just sign me up for Salesforce, please. Like, whatever. Like, why do we have to continue? This is, if somebody asks for my advice about starting a business or whatever, not to take potential questions from you that you may or may not have been asking, but it's like, I would give two pieces of advice. Get an accountant who knows what they're talking about and shut up and listen to them from day one. That's number one. Number two is stay in your lane and use the experts, whether it's the software you know, that like a Printavo now, if somebody needs it or whatever, like use it. Don't build your own thing. You need a CRM. Don't be cheap. Use Salesforce or whatever, something like it. 
we have our own and it's just like you're making these half-baked things and you're trying to make this thing work and it's just over time you're like we just it's like that what they thought about could they and not should they it's like yes we could build our own thing but should we that kind of thing and i think that i've learned over 15 years is like don't just stick to something that's somebody else's problem and build your business kind of off of it as long as it's secure enough you know to wrap up, are there any interesting uh, other podcasts you listen to? Or I know you listen to Shirt Show too. Shouts out to them, or any uh, uh, <laughs> YouTube channels or things like that. Books, uh, industry-wise, book book-wise, not really. I mean, honestly, to keep sane during uh, the pandemic, I've uh, <laughs> I've gotten really into like uh, freshwater aquariums, <laughs> as you can oh, see. Oh, is so, that like, the one that's behind you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and it's not dirty, lest you not know anything about this. Uh, it's uh, dark water for now, but. Yeah, like I I listen to like this fish podcast and stuff, which I know sounds super lame, man, but that's it keeps awesome. me sane. And I that's like quite the task, you know? And I did want to mention one last thing, which I did text you about this morning. I want everyone to know in 2012, we started a conference called Merch Summit. And the reason it didn't work the way you guys are working with print hustlers, and it's going to be, and it's awesome. And I, I, you know, I really want to make sure our team like can go to it next time. But like we did it, and it was more merch based. So we, what we found is we brought a bunch of our competitors into a conference room, right? And then nobody's saying anything because it's way too competitive. Sure. It's, it's not like we're, hey, we're all service providers here, man. It's like, nah, like literally like we all this fight. Nobody summit. wants to talk about the secrets. <laughs> and Chris, you could pop up this uh, screenshot. This would be cool to see the flyer from uh, 2012. Dude, that's a website. That's an in, the HTML file on my computer. Oh. <laughs> Fully functional. <laughs> Yeah, we had TSF Sportswear sponsored, UPS sponsored. Um, one who didn't know any better would say you're a big copycat. But it's I cool, think, man. I think I may remember this. I tried to – I think we may I have lost the website. Like I, I may want to register it again. I mean, you guys pick good domains, so. <laughs> Sometimes. I, We've been trying to buy AKT.com from this guy who doesn't even use it. He said it's $250,000. AKT so. guy – Give him, give him a deal if you can. <laughs> yeah. Jared, this has been awesome. I really appreciate the time, especially as uh, it's been a really cool walk down memory lane. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Pronouncers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We'll see you guys next Wednesday on the next episode. Or I guess you don't have to listen on Wednesday, but we'll drop in one every single week. See you guys. <laughs>